piercings, jewellery, work life, stories, personal experiences, what more do you want? Oh, the tea? Well, look no further. Welcome to Tea with Dee. I'm your host, Deanna. With 11 years of experience in the body piercing world, there are many stories I can tell. This podcast will go into the history of piercing, what happened, what historical events happened. There will also be submissions from clients about their own experiences and the history of them being pierced too. There will also be interviews with other piercers and other peers within the industry, it being jewellery specialists or jewellery makers. So why not sit back and listen to Tea with D? Hello everybody and welcome to Tea with D. On this episode, it is dedicated to a person who pioneered the piercing industry, paving the way to how it is today. And pierce piercers and peers within the industry we very much respect and look up to today. The individual I'm talking about is Warren Dean. I spoke with multiple people who were indeed close with Warren, working with him for years, being close friends, being great clients and family. The person who helped me a lot in finding people to talk to and for information is Moss. want to thank them for all the help and support. I was able to get into contact with them thanks to a friend of mine and able to get help from the Warren Dean's memorial page. The other people I'll mention in this episode I want to thank and just to say I appreciate everything you've shared with me. It honestly shocked me that no one has spoken about Warren but that is the problem with the UK piercing history. If it's not spoken about, then it's not documented. There's no footprints with the piercing history in the UK, unless there is a connection with somebody who has been spoken about, or relations to piercers probably in the US. Honestly, it was very difficult to find any information on Warren, as got to think it like this. There wasn't uh, social media, there wasn't anything back in the day that could document what that person was doing. Yes, you had yellow pages in magazines where you could contact the piercers and word of mouth, but there wasn't really anything else, which is crazy, but it's very exciting and fun to look into. The memories, stories and pictures and just pure love I received truly is amazing. Warren, oh sorry, excuse me, Waz, as he is known, is a very much loved and deeply missed individual. While collecting all the information, it opened my eyes to how the industry was when he was around. It's truly mind-blowing. He seemed like a very passionate individual who was happy to help when it's needed, give his opinion in a very well-mannered way, an intelligent man with a great advice. So let's start where he was back in the day. Brighton, UK, 1990. Warren opened a studio. It was located in a basement area below Wildcat Jewellery. Now, I'm going to go into a little bit about Wildcat because they do have a big, <laughs> like, input on this, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Wildcat is a jewellery company owned by John in 1989. They opened up in Brighton. While he was watching a documentary about Wildcats, he decided naming the business Wildcat, he had to do it. He had to. His attitude to life seemed exotic at the time. He was a very intelligent man. He created 
jewellery that we use to this day, it be in a flesh tunnel, ear stretcher, or a micro seam ring. There's just so many things, which is crazy. And it boggled my mind to know that John and Warren were good friends. Uh, they spoke quite a bit, definitely, to know that, you know, his studio was below Wildcat. Warren named this studio Perforations, which I think is a very, very cool name to give a studio, in my opinion. He opened up in the 90s, and, of course, a lot of things did affect how his day-to-day working life would be. In 1996, Perforations took over the whole shop when Wildcat moved. This is around the time when the Germany Productions facility opened up. Perforations seemed like the place to go to back in the early 90s. A fun and a safe environment for anybody and everybody. You've got to think it like this. Operation Spanner wasn't just a situation that happened in London. It was happening all over the UK. So it was affecting studios all over the country. Operation Spanner trial was in 1989 and appeals happened after that for eight years. Clients were affected, studios, piercers, tattooists were mostly affected due to authorities. It changed how things were being done. Warren most certainly noticed this, uh, definitely with him being so experienced with genital piercings, but Brighton Council kind of They were aware of what he was doing, as in, like, genital piercings and so on. But they kind of turned a blind eye, in a way, because there was no law when it came to regulations of piercings and what you do do and what you don't do. Kind of same as it is today in 2023 in the UK. A lot of Warren's clients back then were coming in under fake names. The crew knew about this, and they were very, you know respectful of that even his ritual appointments were now being done later on in the day and evening and you would have to make a booking in advance for these now this was put into place because of the whole operation spanner situation because the law could not see rituals being something that is spiritual or other relations And they thought it's still kind of, I don't know, connected to SM, which it really isn't. And that's why Warren made a lot of differences within that studio. I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Quinton, who is the owner of Kalima Emporium in Worthing, who was a client of Warren's in the 1990s, around 92. Quinton had spent a lot of his time with Indian Sadhus, who did lots of different rituals, piercing tongues, standing for 12 years, 12 weeks, 12 days and 12 hours, keeping them arms permanently raised and piercing, hanging hooks and so much more. When he arrived back to Brighton, piercing had become quite big in the old scene but had SM sexual connections, as that is where it originally like came from. Quinton was more interested in the ritual concepts behind it. Warren did quite a few of Quinton's piercings, being Prince Albert, nipples and many more. Back then, genital piercings were mysterious. The scene was very different. You had connections, it was new, exciting, 
had a real edge of danger. It was the beginnings of the UK scene in shops. Information back then was limited. There was no internet to help. Books like Modern Primitives, Eye of the Needle by Pauline Clark and more would definitely help with furthering education and finding out more information. Quinton booked his Apollang with Warren. He was known for this piercing in the UK. People would travel for this service. Warren viewed these piercings special to the individual, so would have to pre-book it. Quinton wanted to do this as ritualistically as he could. He described the experience as leaving my body, and when I came back, I just knew I had to be a piercer. At the time, Warren was indeed looking for an apprentice. Quinton applied, but unfortunately didn't get it. But he decided to do it as a job anyway. Warren was invested in what Quinton had set up wise. Once Quinton informed Warren about his steam steriliser, he was indeed satisfied with what Quinton was doing. When Quinton was in thoughts of opening a studio in the early 2000s, he went to speak to Warren. And he was pleased and said could be great to have another studio opening up in Brighton. Quinton got tools and clamps gifted. They had a great chat before Warren left the UK. Later on, he said to Quinton, I am so happy that someone I've pierced and inspired had taken the mantle from myself. He explains that Warren was a larger than life character and for him very inspirational. He did so many suspension gatherings with people Quinton knew. Both of them spoke about Quinton's Sundance ritual. I had the honour of speaking with Rob, who was indeed Warren's apprentice, joined in 1996. At that time, Rob was attending college. When it fell into his lap, work experience was required. So he went to the studio to see what he could do. He was offered a job working the front desk until Warren felt he was mature enough to go on to being an apprentice. Rob described the piercing scene as magical, fresh, new and underground. He got into the piercing industry when it started getting more popular, very fashionable. Funny enough, there is a post on BME written by Shannon, the creator, editor and publisher of BME, about Rob. And I didn't know that this was Rob who I was talking to. So I had to like be like, hey, Rob, uh, could you possibly like, you know, confirm that this is you? And he said, yes, it is me. It was posted on 22nd of January 2006 entitled the RFID implant photos. We've covered the RFID implants on BME in the past, but it seems like more and more DIY implants and active products are going on these days. Here's a photo of Rob at MetaFlesh in Brighton, England, putting one in via injection, as well as autoclave the implant and the electronics being used to control home access using it. When searching for Warren, of any information when it came to the internet that post came up and my inner fangirl went crazy because I didn't know that these were being done at that time frame in the UK like I knew that body mods were like circulating but I didn't know that that, that was being done and it's so awesome seeing that it's mad that this post is still up 
and it's pretty much the only real posts I can find about perforations on the internet like there's nothing else when it comes to that studio Rob is a very interesting individual it was an honor to speak with him he said the most wonderful things about Warren was a true privilege to work alongside Waz as a very close friend to me. I miss him a lot. He worked with Warren until the studio closed, had known of Warren for 15 years. During the time of the studio being perforation to Metaflash, many body mods were being done from Brandon to scarification to implants and more. But something that keeps being repeated about Warren was not only was he interested in doing them as safely as possible, but there was an option of having them done, it being piercings or body mods in a ritual concept. Of course, I can't share how or what Warren does in these appointments as the experience is so sentimental to the person. But what I can say is that Warren was very close to Genocide's P. Orridge from Psychic TV. They would come together to host little sessions of piercings and scarification on clients all over the country. They spoke a lot about the spiritual aspects of body modification, it being over the phone or in person. It seems to me that Genesize was close to a lot of piercers, tattooers, studios in general, exploring aside rituals, how to experience them and involve them. Warren also would help out with the stainless steel ball hosted presented by Wildcat. This was a yearly event presented by them that they would put on in a safe environment, usually a nightclub in Brighton, the same one I think every year, from 8pm until 2am. This was a gathering for the kink community or those into piercings and body mods would get together in a safe environment and just basically have fun. The dress code was no streetwear, fantasy, fetish, bizarre alternatives. No cameras were allowed apart from the professional Wildcat hired. It was on a consent terms only. Throughout getting information on Warren, I became friends with a wonderful individual called Rose, who was Warren's PA for seven years in 1993. She helped me understand what it was like with the piercings, the scene during the rise of the King community and Operation Spanner trial. She said something to me that made me realise we're still in a place in 2023 where it's still a struggle for the King community to find somewhere safe. This is still trying to figure out what is allowed and what isn't. The whole uncomfortable stigma is still about. Got to think it like this. SM related productions like videos or magazines, if uncommercial, were illegal until the early 2000s. Even SM meetings for gay or bi men wasn't exactly allowed for a long time prior after Operation Spanner trial. Rose said something to me that kind of just hit me a little bit because it's actually a topic that a lot of us piercers do speak about when it comes to piercings and being involved with the BDSM world. And it's crazy to think that this subject is still being spoken about in 2023. If a mistress or master was bringing in a submissive for an intimate piercing, then was that legal or coercion? 
not from our perspective, but not everybody could understand that. They had a lot of clientele in the older generation. Some folk would hide their identities, others wouldn't so much. The oldest Rose remembers was a man of 87 and a woman 92. Ages of their clients ranged, but for their services, for ritual appointments, those were for age 18 and over. Or someone who is a regular client and knows the rules of booking in for certain services. Warren pretty much catered to everybody, hugely for the kink community, as a lot of studios didn't. Very standoff or not wanting to, you know, get involved with that type of clientele. When speaking with a lot of people involved or work in the body modification industry, it being a piercer or a tattooist, even speaking about the BDSM kink or fetish community, it seems a lot of them feel uncomfortable or don't want to partake in the conversation. Maybe being it's taboo or they're in a place where they've been taken advantage of by the clients or situations out of their control. This is what Warren was passionate about, talking about bedside manners, what to do in these situations, and making it safe for the piercer and client. We know a lot of the stigma around this is from the AIDS HIV epidemic. And Operation Spanner had a huge impact with that. Definitely when a piercer is named as one of the 16 men. That stigma carried out all over the UK. Warren noticed this. Before Warren left the UK, he did a lot of talks, work with different authorities about making places more safe. I haven't personally seen the documents, but a few people have mentioned this. Changing the ways for the future piercers, he would say. Warren was very much tech savvy and, as I said, intelligent. He made a branding machine and when Dial-Up came about, Warren went out of his way to educate, contributing to sterilisation and safety of the UK piercing scene. Warren spoke up about bedside manners. Back then, kink was a thing and, unfortunately, certain studios were taking advantage So Warren spoke up about this, made documents available on safe practices and what to expect when having genital piercings. Warren unfortunately passed on the 11th of October 2011. On a memorial plaque it says, Too weird to live, too rare to die. A few close friends have his ashes tattooed on him, so he is forever close and never forgotten. In February 2014, a group of close friends family and clients held a memorial. They had drinks, shared stories and enjoyed each other's company. Many people came forward with amazing stories of who Warren was as a person and they would always talk about the famous green piercing room which a lot of pictures there is Warren in in this green room and it's not like a, a nice emerald green it's quite like a neon green. The team made that place, a safe space for individuals to express and redefine themselves. There is so much more I could say about Warren. I'm hoping to find out more information about him as I get more involved with working into the piercing history of the UK. 
So there may be a part two about Warren later on. He is definitely an interesting person who paved the way for piercings, it being rituals, connections spiritually and safety. Other peers in the industry and clients felt very safe and at home around him. I feel very honoured to speak about Warren and I appreciate the people close to him for helping me with this episode dedicated to him. It's been a roller coaster of emotions recording this episode because I felt like I connected to Warren so greatly. He seems like an individual that I would have been friends with if he was still around. And I know for a fact a lot of his clients, a lot of his close friends and his family miss him greatly. And as I said at the start of this episode, it's upsetting in a weird way that Nobody has spoken about these individuals that paved the way for the piercing industry. Like, there are a lot of the individuals in the UK who have been spoken about. There are documents about and so on. But there are a lot of people who aren't spoken about, who aren't documented. And this is why I'm doing this podcast. Because these people need to be spoken about. And Warren was definitely on top of the list after just seeing one post about him on a Facebook group and it's been the most interesting ride of finding out information of somebody and I've connected to so many people because of him so I do do deeply appreciate everybody who has reached out who has shared stories who's given me the information and shared personal stories as well and as I said I'm not going to share everything about Warren because some cases it's not my space to share them and I feel that they're so sentimental to the people that have shared with me that I feel that they should just be kept with the person to carry on his memory. So this was this episode, a dedication and a memorial for Warren Dean, the pioneer of piercing industry in UK Brighton in the early 90s to the 2000s. So that was this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. It was definitely an interesting episode to do and I very much enjoyed getting to know who Warren was as an individual person and what he did for the piercing industry, which is absolutely mad. So there will be another episode soon that will be going into the history of piercing with another person, which I'm very excited about. Currently writing it up. Uh, There's another one which I think is going to take a little bit more time. Uh, but will be up soon and there will be more interview episodes coming very soon. So yeah, thank you for listening and I hope you have a great day. Are you a client or somebody who follows me on social media and you want to submit your story? Well, you're in luck. You are welcome to submit it via email, which is Deanna, D-E-A-N-N-A at Collective. This could be an experience you had or just some questions that you want advice on. It could also be a history lesson of when you had the piercing done, who, by and where. It could be 10, 20, 30 years ago. If you are a piercer and you want to come on my podcast, you are more than welcome to contact me. I'd be happy to do an interview with you or just to talk about life. If you want to contact me, you can do so by social media on Instagram, which is Pearl Collective underscore, 
or via email, which is diana at pocollective.net. Thanks again for listening to Tea with Dee.